Hello, my name is Wesley Marshall, and welcome to Lost in the Story. My guest today is best known for his roles in anime and video games, including characters in Smite, Beyond Skywing Brahma, Randy Orlando in Legends of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3, Formaggio in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, One Punch Man, Lyoto in Kengen Ashura, Ryuji in Pokemon Masters, Lagoshi in Beastars, Vlad Nibblesum in Max Gentleman's Sexy Business, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Wasteland 3, and Aiden in the upcoming Dying Light 2. Welcome, Jonah Scott. What's up, Jonah? Hey, Wesley. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good. So I, I have a simple question for you, Jonah. Sure. What to you makes a good story? Um, a good story starts with uh, good characters. Um, and I think that good characters start with good writing. Uh, so I guess a good story going through into kind of like a Aristotelian logical loop would be, be, <laughs> be, be writing. Um, so the best part of a good story is, is probably the writing. I was in a, I was in a session today um and this group is some of the most best some of the most phenomenal writers I've I've ever had the privilege of reading their words it everything was so chewy and punchy and and the uh the text was just fascinating to read in my head let alone out loud so i do think writing is is the foundation on which a lot of great stories are built so you and i we i know you and i we we absorb a lot of content and sometimes participate and what have you do you think there's what, what have has there been a lot of pitfalls you've seen recently in recent media or do you feel we're on a an uptick um i i feel like there's there's more to talk about i feel like mm -hmm. uh before media was trying to be innovative trying to be new trying to uh I guess shy away from being derivative. Um, but now there are all kinds of things that people were too afraid to talk about in the four and it's coming through in media. And I, a lot of it is incredibly welcome. Um, there are some people that, you know, take things incorrectly and, and, and they, they go too far, but a lot of it is, is bringing attention to causes and uh, subject matter that was deemed a little bit, taboo several years ago and and now we can talk about that frank and open and it's not it isn't wrong it isn't weird it isn't strange it doesn't pull people away in fact it brings them in yeah like i the the most recent example for me and then it's happening again but bo both both things on hbo is watchmen begin end of last year uh you know half of twitter including myself going I didn't know this was a real event that happened. I never right. learned this. See, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The those those race riots are more than just a vocabulary word. They mm -hmm. they actually happened, and it's it's great to bring attention to incredible atrocities like that. In order to like, history is doomed to repeat itself if 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 we don't understand and learn about the things that happened in our past and things that are happening right now. Like love, then... are you watching Lovecraft Country at all? I am not, but I heard I heard great oh, things about like, it. Like I'm reading the reading the book right now and watching the show, both, mm -hmm. and it's very very well adapted. But it's like it's hitting that same button Watchmen did, where it's it's taken all these sci-fi and bigger than life elements and making you you know there are these creatures that are cool and fantastical, but the most scariest thing is the people there's a right. moment in the first episode that people are talking about a lot that it, 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 it there's a car chase that happens in the first episode 
and it's a car chase that that's at 20 miles per hour and it's the most wow. harrowing thing i have watched in a while is essentially they're told to get out of town and the cop is following behind them just 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 before like sunset's supposed to happen and and it's like he's like, he's like go faster and he's like I, I can't go faster or i'll get pulled over so they have to right. go like 20 miles it's like uh how do you make this intense and it's like right? pe- people and i agree with you care i feel character I can forgive a a story that's not so good if I'm invested in the characters. Like the perfect yes. example I can give you, I went back and watched the first two because I had not seen them before in preparation for the third one. But Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted is a yes. is a story that is very simple and dumb, but the characters are so endearing. They don't punch down. You they they are very earnest kids. And all three of those movies, with the exception of maybe like a few things, hold up very well. And the new one, like you know, it's very much be excellent to each other is the is the yeah. whole thesis statement. And I feel like in media now we need that more than ever. I agree. I when I stream, uh, the what I say at the end of my stream every time is kind of a sign off is be excellent to each other. And and Bill and Ted, the characters, not the movies, Bill and Ted kind of honed that in on me and it was you're right uh, I watched both of the movies uh, back to back a couple of days ago with a bunch of friends on on discord and some of the the story's not good <laughs> the no. story isn't the best story in the world but it's but fun the reason that you care yes it's fun and you care because these characters are going on this adventure you don't care about anybody else you like George Carlin yeah of course he's great but mm-hmm. um you care about these even death in 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 the second uh, Bill and Ted movie is is so fun and uplifting and like he makes you laugh and it, it it's completely the antithesis of what death should be but it's I'm invested in him and Bill and Ted and Station because of the characters you know mm-hmm. um what what do you think still needs to 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 change in terms of of, of telling story like do do you still think there are lots of pitfalls that happen now or do you feel that's slowly but surely changing i feel like uh the pitfalls are becoming are starting to close um because with the advent of uh the internet and uh, being able to talk to anyone you want to at any time uh as long as they're willing it makes breaking story so much easier it makes scheduling things so much easier because the biggest pitfalls in, in writing are I didn't get this copy, I didn't get this draft, I, I, I didn't get this character breakdown or anything like that. But mm-hmm. now it's almost impossible to miss so much stuff. We are inundated with information. So if, if anything, I think the pitfall is taking in too much information and overanalyzing things mm-hmm. and not you know, going back to pen and paper basics where it's like, you know, here's a ream of paper that's my script, read it, mark it up, and then bring it back to me rather than here's 80 different drafts on draft underscore final underscore really final underscore like you have to go through all these all these different drafts and 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 make the story uh palatable to the person who's reading it and and i feel like that's a pitfall if there's any pitfalls anymore it's the gatekeeper thing it's the thing that i hate in media so much where it's like a, a fan or somebody become like something and they're new to it like a day or two new to it They're like oh i love this and then immediately 
you don't know enough. You, you can't be here. My, it was my favorite thing hearing about. Do you know how about the how the writers' room for Watchmen came together at all? Mm-mm. So Damon Lindelof went to go and you know pitch it to different writers, right? And the way he decided whether or not he liked them or wanted them to be on the team is if if the people were like, "Oh my God, that's such an amazing story. I love it." If if he had people asking him questions and being like, "Does this really track though?" He was like, "Okay." And what he also decided to do in terms of the makeup of, of, of the room was he had himself and a few other people who knew the comic book like the back of their hands, like right. who, who knew it. And, you know, he said at the beginning of, of writing goes, this is the Bible. This is, you know, in terms of lore and mythology, right? And then he goes – then he had some people who were sort of light fans, had seen the movie, maybe read the comic book once, but weren't like die-in-the-wool Watchmen fans. And then he right. had people who – had never done it read it before in the in the room which led to a lot of them being able to look at things objectively which i think is so important when you're crafting a story business oriented uh, studio standpoint yeah because you you look at you know a, a perfect example of a movie where so many hands were in it to change it and i'm you know sort of interested to see what the final result of what actually would have been is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like that's a, that's a good point. Like that that is fascinating to me. Like you you watch that movie and you're like, oh, I can see the seams. And when you and when a normal audience member can see the seams in a movie and not someone who's been like focused on this stuff. Yeah, th- yeah. That that this tells you is like let like you know as much as Marvel. Some people call Marvel cookie cutter. They one thing they have done very well is like, oh. They know what they're doing when they're writing this character. We'll give them some things that we have to steer because we're a business, yada, yada. But, like, right. for the most part, they they let them, like, do their thing. And DC has started to take note. Like, James Gunn has said repeatedly for this new Suicide Squad movie, they – this is the movie I wanted to make. This is the most fun I've ever had making a movie, and it's exactly yeah. what I thought I was wanting to do. Um. I think we're I think we're in a, a a golden age. I just think that there's a lot of loud minority voices uh, in the sense of people who are like, uh, "This is wrong. We don't need that sort of diversity or difference in story." That's a, yeah. That's a good point. There's a lot of anybody can say anything and have an opinion that is immediately popular based on who also shares that opinion. You know what I mean? It's, it, I'm 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 saying like somebody can tweet out their bad review of. Suicide Squad or whatever when it comes out and say that this is the X, Y, and Z or the reason that this is bad. And even though that opinion is wrong or from somebody who's 17 or from somebody who hasn't watched or read any of the comics or anything like that, that can immediately, immediately become blown up um, because of like the, what, where we exist. Somebody can retweet it. Somebody can, you know, talk about it on a podcast. Somebody can, you know, mention it on their armchair show after the show, whatever, you know, and it can, that, that can become salient from even just the tiniest dissenter. I I think the big issue in, in just talking about media in general is, and I understand that it's a high expectation to have is, Generally speaking, there's no discourse. I have a I have a really good friend who I agree disagree with a lot on um, talking about media and story. I, I think I'm going to have him on because I think it would be an interesting conversation. 
-hmm. we disagree a lot and sometimes we even sometimes it even gets like shouty but not like in a a mean way but we're still friends we're not we're not trying to destroy the other person because they think uh the new star wars movies are good and the other person thinks they're complete piles of shit yeah it's i think i want there to be more discourse and like you know I don't agree with you, but like I, I'm not gonna, you know, yuck your yum, as it were. Yes. The, uh, yeah, you're 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 right. The ability for people to shoot down others' uh, strong opinions just because of the, like I said, accessing anyone at any time as long as they're willing. Um, I feel like that's huge. Uh, it's 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 hard to get used to. Um, I mean, if you haven't grown up in it, we're slowly getting used to it. I mean, for you, this must be a new thing because all this stuff that's happening for you now, man. Like I, I remember right before you're like, I don't, I don't think this is going to work out. And I, I, I was two weeks away from moving home when I, when I, when I booked Legacy and V-Stars. And like, it, it, it changes your perspective. And I, I think, I think the good thing is you and I are probably surrounded by people who are like. Okay, man, don't 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 fucking like become those people or whatever. Right. We always, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you hit the you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, I I I just think it's interesting, especially now with everything that's going on in the country. That mm-hmm. if you have that platform, if you're able to change the narrative, as it were, you should you should do it. I mean, be sure to ask questions. Be sure that you're not completely overstepping boundaries. But I think it's so important. And I think uh, our our mutual friend Jalen, he and I have talked about like I I just wanna I just wanna do a writers room of like all of us as friends and like blue sky what we want to see in media. I think yeah. I, I'm you know I I love cartoons it's 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 the thing that's like my comfort food when i just need something an escape from the world and i would say the last 10 years in animation has really been a a bright light like shows like shira and steven universe and you know adventure time i think sort of paved that way really are showing stories to kids that are not seen like I I'm one of those people who likes to watch reaction videos just because I like yeah, that yeah. catharsis because especially now since I'm not having to do as much with my friends. Right. Yeah. Um, have you watched Shira at all? Yeah, I've seen five episodes. <laughs> I haven't seen it in its entirety, you but I've watched. It. Uh, five. Are, yeah, are, I know. Are you Are you aware of what happens at the end, even slightly? No. So no. a big a big a big thing of representation happens at the end of the series. I won't say what. Okay. okay. And literally every person who i watched watching that including including myself because i was like are they gonna do it this is a kid's show uh tears every time and the noelle stevenson has said what said in interviews before that she she wasn't sure what was going to happen like she she wasn't sure she was going to be able to push that through but it, it did like you know i think there's been a lot of progress if you look at you know uh cora for example and they were sort of hamstrung with what they could show on TV because yeah. of stupid reasons. That was, I want to say that that was 2013, 20, I can't remember when the show Not ended. Not that long ago. Yeah. And they're like, 
okay, what happens if they hold hands and look at each other? And they're like, okay. I guess motherfuckers. Right. And and then they were able to say say it more in the comics, but like mm-hmm. in in that show I think and She-Ra started in twenty eighteen. And so in, in in just in those like four years, how much that's changed. There's a show on now that I have watched a handful of episodes of called um Owl something. I'm blanking on the name. Um it's a Disney show, uh, and they just uh, had an episode confirming two characters were by and you, that's cool you, you don't you don't see that as often i mean you're starting to like and, and then you know comics is always sort of that incubator where they test things like um aqualad is a perfect example of a character where i was like a, a character that's shy to himself but still confident and cool happens to be african-american and is gay and i i just think the more and more we see that the, the more and more it will get normalized and people won't ask those questions. And I think as, as creatives, we always want to change those people's minds because we, we know at their core, people are generally good. And I think we want to yeah. see more of that. I, I bring up the topic of representation. Um, I'm a straight white man, so there I'm everywhere. And, uh, but the representation that I would like to see as a straight white man that I would like to see, honestly, that we haven't seen like anywhere. And, and when we have, it's been really bad. Native Americans. Mm. I would love to see more down to earth, real, casual Native American representation. Because the most I've seen of Native American representation in the last like five years, maybe I just haven't been looking, was... Johnny Depp is fucking Tonto, <laughs> and um, in in, in uh, the Lone Ranger, and a good a good representation was Red Dead Redemption Two. They were everywhere. They were integral to the story of Red Dead Redemption Two, and uh, you could see them. You 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 followed their story. You followed the uh, the plight of of the Native Americans with disease and uh, hunger and being uh, manipulated by the United States government. And granted, yes, it is not the United States. It's mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption, fictitious West, wherever. Yes, it's kind of the U.S., but not. I feel like that's how they got away with it. I feel like that's how they were like, okay, we can finally tell a Native American story because we're technically not, it's not Native American, but it is America, but it's not. Um, and I would like to see more in, you know, casual, like, uh, like series, film series, uh, animation, kids animation. If you put a Native American character in kids animation that's not Sesame Street, which is amazing for representation, um, I feel like people would resonate with it because honestly, being Native American is cool. I'm not. I have a very, very small percentage of Native American in my blood, but I, I feel like that can be brought to the fore and more attention brought to what they have experienced in, in just the past 30 years. I think the closest thing that I can think of of a recent thing, and even this movie has had some issues with uh, comments about the casting, is uh, in New Mutants, there's a character named Danny Moonstar, and I believe is played by a Native American actress. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, I haven't seen the New Mutants for obvious reasons, but... uh, And then he said some other dumb stuff about uh, a character named Hotspot, who was traditionally uh, half Brazilian, half black, and part of his origin was he was you know, from a very rich family and he experienced racism when playing soccer and that triggered his mutant ability. 
and they hired a very light-skinned Brazilian man uh, to play him. Wonderful. I think that's going to go over well. Yeah. Uh, to play him, what, six years ago? <laughs> uh, and and reason was because he, he, we wanted someone who could best represent spoon in their, uh, silver spoon in their mouth. Okay. All right. <laughs> I see where they're going, but they could have done a lot better. And then my, my immediate response was, Carlton. <laughs> Car- Carlton, when I think of a stereotypical spoon in the mouth, I actually right. do default to Carlton because I right. watch that a show good point. a lot. Mm-hmm. That's like, exactly what he is. Preppy thinks everything is going good for him. And I was like, oh, he's a rich boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, story needs to be on par with character in order for a story to be good? Or does character... Does story take a second seat to character? Um, I feel like if you marry the two, you get a good you get a you get a good product, whatever media you're pre- uh whatever media you're presenting. But, um, if you have a good if you have good characters, and you don't have anywhere to put them, it's like having a bowl of cereal without milk. Yeah, you can you can eat the cereal, but it's kind of just it's a little dry. There's not a whole lot pulling it together. You know, it's 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 got a it's an okay bite, but you know, some milk would really really knock this up a whole nother level. Like it's good, it's great, but I don't think the two can exist in a vacuum, um, like separately. Uh, you can I let's see. Here's a, okay, very good example of this, I guess. Um, it's kind of obscure. I don't know if you're if you're familiar with a lot of League of Legends, but uh, the characters in League of Legends are why people come back. The characters in League of Legends are why people like them. They like the designs. They like the the, the their their backstory and how it ties in with their abilities and how it ties in with their other interactions between champions and what their general demeanor is, who they represent, what their voice lines are. But for the longest time, I want to say five years, there was nothing holding those characters together. And when it, when there was, it was contradictory, convoluted, textual. No visual storytelling, all textual storytelling um, through newsletters like from the front lines of a, of a fictitious war that was ended like for some for no reason or whatever. So if you sat down and tried to read the League of Legends lore when it first came out, you would be confused. Overwatch is another good example. These are all video game examples, but Overwatch is another good example. Tracer, amazing. Poster child for a generation of video gaming. Widowmaker, the same. You know, it, it's all, all across the board. These characters are endearing and kind and loving. And the thing that pulls them together, the reason I cry when I watch Overwatch cinematics is because they finally put them in a world together. They're together. They're interacting. My favorite characters are interacting together. It's like how Avengers, the end uh, end game, made me cry. You can put... The characters are amazing, but if there wasn't a good story there to pull them together, it would just be you know, a Captain America movie. Or it would just be like, this is a movie where it's like an oatmeal of... of, of, of of action heroes you're just like all right well do you know what moment gets me every time watching that like you know the end the end always will get me that that's just like oh uh but the moment that still gets me still ha is when um scott lang comes back and he's like running around trying to find out what happens and then he runs to his house and his daughter comes out and then the line that gets me goes you're so big yeah i'm like oh oh Protect the them character. at all costs. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, that wouldn't be there if there wasn't the overarching narrative to to pull that out of Scott, you know? 
because even their because even their the the weakest movies in in Marvel, the the character is still at the core. So even if like you don't like your Iron Man twos or your Thor the Dark Worlds, you're like you still find something good in them. Like yes. I can always say that in Thor the Dark World, I I love all of Loki's interactions with Thor. They're hilarious. That's most of the gifts are from that. Most of Loki's gifts are from that movie. Yeah. And then Iron Man 2 just does have some good back and forth between him and Rhodey and just, you know, just a weak sort of villain. But the whole the whole fight in the party when when Tony's drunk and having an episode, that's good filmmaking. Mm -hmm. It's a little silly. Yes. But if you took the ridiculous sound effects out, that's good filmmaking. That could be a very dramatic scene. And and, and it's still good because of the fact that it has those silly sound effects. And it is a little over the top. But I think people, you know. I'm very, I'm very much into all that, you know, comic book and things like that. But I think people are going to look back in particular on how they structured making those movies because, like, you know, I had a film teacher in college who, you know, there was a movie coming out and I, I mentioned and he goes, "Oh, those silly superhero movies." And I was like, "They're they're good though," and it's like, I don't know. It has to be Kevin Feige and a handful of other people. The way that they're able to still tell a story that's singular to that character. And yes, there will be threads that I have to throw in to connect to the next thing. Mm-hmm. But to so consistently keep story and character even and sometimes heightened in certain cases like, you know, Endgame, Black Panther and things like that where you're you're able to still serve the gigantic narrative they're trying to tell but you you're also invested and care about those those characters right I, I individually think, i think you follow their journey for tiny 90 90 minute chunks they essentially made movies tv shows that's what they did and they trained yep. an audience over you know 12 years to be comic book readers who understand serial storytelling right and the best part was it, people had to realize uh, I think Kevin Feige also realized immediately that it's like, we don't need to retell the origin story. We don't. People understand these characters. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is one of the most universally recognized symbols on the planet. Everybody knows Peter Parker. You don't have to tell the origin story again. I swear to you God, know? if we see Batman's mom get sh- and dad get shot again in this next one. You don't have to. We don't have to see them get shot. We know. We know. His parents are dead. It's a meme. We get it. Like... The only people who will understand that are people who are not going to people who don't understand that are people who are not going to be there in the seats. And it's thinking about that Spider-Man thing, like in the first one, the only mention we really are sorry in Civil War. The only mention we have is, you know, bad things happen. I had to do something. And then in uh, Far From Home, he has his uncle's suitcase and you see the initials. It's like every it's so part of the zeitgeist. yeah, it's it's ingrained in the world itself. You don't have to show, don't tell. We didn't say, oh, Uncle Ben. Uh, no, we just saw. Okay, yeah, we get it. He inherited the suitcase. Ben's dead. Like yeah. it. It that's. It's not a secondary universe. There's nothing crazy about it. It's we're here, and 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 the moviegoers that came here to see Spider Man know. And and I think DC now is sort of course correcting because I think DC was trying so hard to copy that formula that was sort of lightning in the bottle that ended up just working and they were able to continue with it. DC was like, we need to do the same thing, but we're going to skip a few steps because we want to put out our superhero team up movie sooner. Uh, what they, they had their big, uh, you know, a few weeks ago from when we we're recording this 
they had their big DC event, right? And yeah. one of the panels that I listened to. It was everywhere. I was so tired of hearing about it. It was on everything. It was every banner ad online, every radio yeah. ad. It was ridiculous. I was excited because I love DC. and they oh, were I finally... was excited. I love it. I loved it. Uh, it was great. So, <laughs> But they advertised the, it hardcore. One of the things that they focused on in one of their panels, and I was like, they should have done this from the beginning. They're like, we are very much uh, leaning into the idea of the multiverse where there can be a different actor playing uh, Batman uh, you know, three different ways. You know, you have Michael Keaton, now Ben Affleck is coming back, and you have Robert Pattinson. And that is one thing I know that DC does that Marvel doesn't really do at all. DC does multiverse to. super well. DC does multiverse super well. Yeah. And if they had monopolized on that before, like if, if the first movie, I, I, I tell everybody this, the first movie they should have put out was a Flash movie. Because if they put out a Flash movie first, then you could you get this lovable, endearing character that everybody can latch themselves onto, and he can be the audience surrogate. Then you bring everybody else in, and it's him, literally this like you know early twenties, late teens guy discovering his powers. When all of these other people, you don't have to. It's 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 very relatable, and it's easy to to digest. And the smart thing that they're 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 doing is, I I know uh, one of your roommates is very big into the the, the shows. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, did you watch the big crossover event? I did. I did. I, so, I thought it was enjoyable. So what they said, and apparently that that Ezra Miller flash scene was filmed like a few weeks before that was going to even come out. And uh, Jim Lee and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name right now. I'm blanking. The other exec uh, said essentially, oh, it's canon that that flash Ezra Miller got his name from that Barry Allen. Yeah, and they said that's that's, that's crazy. Going, that's going to be something that they probably reference, mm-hmm. and it's like good because that's like the next step. Because people, the, the, I think the biggest mistake studios tend to make, and I understand it from a financial standpoint, is they think their audiences are not going to understand. They're, yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they'll they'll see like, uh, this Batman, not this Batman. I don't get it. Right. There's okay. it's it's it's. We're not idiots. These are essentially like I, I liken these to different pantheons of gods, mm-hmm. essentially. So like you know, Marvel is Norse and and uh, DC's Greek or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be like that. But I'm saying we look at the superheroes like how people a thousand years ago used to look at pantheons of gods. Oh. And yeah, yeah. yes, you can have a favorite god. Yes, you can you can own more copies of this god's comic book or whatever. But it's it's a it's a collective, and I feel like we use that to tell stories, um, and explain things and do do crazy things that we can look up to. So you you had a few points that I think are interesting. So one of my favorite things I heard was there's this guy named Michael Uslan who is responsible for bringing Batman 1989. Because he tried so hard, like he for like six or seven years, he was trying to sell the movie. No one would buy it. Um, the other thing that he had done before was he was the first person to convince the college board to have him be able to teach a class about comic books. And he's like, they're like, okay, try to convince us. He goes, let me ask you a question. Tell me the story of Moses. The guy tells him the story of Moses. He goes, now tell me the story of Superman. And he goes, oh. It's the same thing. They are, like you said, our modern day myths and, you know, heroes. And the thing that's always been talked about, um, what's the difference between Marvel and DC? Marvel are 
humans striving to be bigger than they are, you know, trying yes. to reach these new heights as and humans DC is do. gods trying to bring themselves down. Trying to be human. That's yes. why Superman is such an interesting character and people don't think that is because he could end you in a moment, but he yeah. he he so badly wants to connect and understand people. That's like the one of the most that's why I love it. It's one of the most human things you can do mm-hmm. is connect. And the the other thing that stuck in my mind was um believe it or not, genre tends to be reflective of what's going on in the world yes as yes. much as people go can you stop making this political what are you talking about uh the original star wars there is a conversation recently that george lucas had on some show with um james cameron and he said star wars the original star wars was very much my commentary on the vietnam war yeah and, and you're like oh i can see that uh as much as people have issues with how the new star wars were made uh the you know the last three movies that was very much a comment on how people perceive things how people go in having an expectation and it not being met but still taking it as it is and just that that whole internet culture like i don't know if you saw today but john john boyega put out this piece in gq yeah i was like good good people are actually talking about like he was literally smack dab in the middle of that like he and kelly marie tran i feel horrible for yeah that they had to things that they loved so much they were both gigantic star wars fans and then he was promised something that he didn't get and then she was run off the internet with death threats and it's like come on guys be decent human beings yeah be bigger than that be excellent to each other as it were yeah be excellent to each other it's just, Correct. I think to to me, genre is a is a medium in which to tell difficult subjects to people in palatable ways, and that's why that's why I love it so much. Mm. Because that's a good way to put it. If someone straight to your face was like, "Don't do this," you'd be like, "Fuck you!" But if someone gets under your skin, gets into your heart, uh, and then they then the creator or someone tells you, oh, this is what this means. You may have changed someone's mind. And that's that's why I think media can be so, so powerful. It yeah, also can it, be it, bad, but... It's incredibly... Media should be relatable. Media should... Uh, art, in period, should should make you feel something. If you leave this the the uh the movie just saying that it was a good movie and you didn't tell me the emotions that surrounded that it probably wasn't a good movie uh like i'm generally an i i generally can forgive a movie a lot of stuff that my friends be like oh that was so shitty but like i and in an example i can i can give you where i walked out and we talked about earlier and i said well that was a movie was justice league you were like there was there was moments there was flashes you're like ooh 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 what what are you doing Th- this character is supposed to denote hope and not bleak bleak sadness right it's i i i think there's tends to be a disconnect with with creatives and and studio heads of like you realize if we actually get to tell the story how it's supposed to be told and not be beholden to like these it. things people will like it which in turn will make you money which you want 
Yes. It's like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a gross thing to say, but it's true. Yeah. And I think, I think Marvel and Disney for however insidious they might actually be go, okay, well, we're going to make money. Let's, this is what seems to be important right now. And, and good because people, more people will see that. And then down the line, when those people move into power, they might be able to change that. So it isn't that gross. Yes. Um, is there, is there anything that you think we need to see immediately that hasn't been put into effect in how we tell stories? Hmm. Like that we could, that we could implement very quickly and just start doing, but people are like, I don't want to, I, this, this works Uh, before. Hmm. I would, I would stop thinking, I, I know people already do this, and there are already films that do this, but I, I, th- I feel like studios need to stop thinking that if I the, the, the more zeros behind this movie, the more zeros I make. So what I mean is the more money that I spend on a miniseries, a movie, the more checks we write, it's going to come back, right? It, 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 they need to stop thinking like that because you can, you can make a film on next to no budget and still have it be good. And still have it be like you could make a superhero film. The Spider-Man movie, the the first Spider-Man movie's budget was super small because it was mm-hmm. Sam Raimi, who was a horror director, who knew how to cut the budget. Deadpool he, is another one. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It, they, they know how to spend as few dollars. Horror is one of the cheapest genres to make media for. Uh, and I feel like we need to stop. The the corporate juggernaut of Marvel is not going to stop anytime soon. The no. corporate juggernaut of Disney is not stopping anytime soon. But let them do what they're doing. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of other stories waiting to be told in comic books and movies and graphic novels if you do it right. And if you spend the right amount of money, and if you stop thinking that we're going to... We'll take... We'll take uh, uh, a young adult novel about a you know, a magic detective uh, who's a genius, and uh, we'll put a bunch of zeros behind it, and it'll come back, right? No, no. Artemis Fowl sucked. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was bad, and there the budget was huge. The acting was great. The, the actors were heavily underutilized for their talents. I I just I feel like that was one of the biggest atrocities because I love that book as a book as a yeah. kid. That and Aragon. Stop. Stop spending so much money on movie adaptations that don't need it. You don't need to spend that much money to make an Aragon movie. Dragonheart, again, the budget was all in Sean Connery talking like a like a dragon. Like that was the budget. You need to reassess everything and, and, and understand that you don't have to you'll make more money if you spend less money. And and, and as much as I, I love I love 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 superhero stuff, uh and I ha- was having this conversation with my friends as well, is I, and, and we're seeing it, and then my friends also had this thing where they, so I want to see more original IP in television films. There you go. Uh, but, and I was like, and I was saying to them, well, I mean, those exist. There, there are like, you know, indie films and mid to mid budget films that, that do that. And he goes, he goes, but I, I want to see a, that sort of movie on a budget a Marvel movie right. has. Right. So that so it's not just you know we're we're relying on nostalgia or we're relying on sequels. I want something wholly original. He goes uh, the example he brought up was like like John Wick. 
John Wick was one of yeah. John movies. Wick came out of nowhere. Yeah, and it was like yeah, uh, this budget was very low. We shot at like five locations, and that's it. We made. Uh, let me, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a quick cursory Google search. Hold on. I'm gonna guess twenty. 15 to 20 million. The budget was 75 million. Okay, that was a little higher than that. And uh, the box office, hold your breath, $325 million. Almost quadrupled its budget. Horror, low budget in general, it, it, it tends to. That, that's why so sci fi is also are very made. low budget. Yeah. It, it's. I think what, what really. And it goes back to what we're saying. When you have those low-budget movies and, you know, you can't make your high-budget ones, the thing that people have to focus on are character and then a decent enough story. Yeah. Because I will – perfect example, uh, going back to John Boyega, the first movie I ever saw him in before Star Wars was a low-budget sci-fi movie called Attack the Block where he – it was – the basic premise was aliens come to this, like, suburb of South London and it's him and, like, four other – uh, you know, people who live in this project trying to survive the night. It's it, it, it's very crazy. simple, yeah. and the 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 alien was very creative looking. Uh, and you're like, I was invested, even though I knew the budget was low. And we need to I, we we need to see more story driven by character as opposed to story that drives the character. Yes, there yeah. you go. You said it. Story driven by character, unless a story that drives the character. That's fantastic, um, because everything you have comes from just having a good character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll bring up. Uh, oh, what is it? I, I, I like I like a lot of video game examples, but uh, uh, Warcraft has incredible characters. But that is a representation where I think the story trumps the characters in some some amounts because mm-hmm. uh the classic story in warcraft is arthas the lich king which is basically darth vader you have this wonderful princely figure that gets corrupted and turned over to the dark side and becomes the leader of an undead army right mm-hmm. and that is a cool character but the journey that arthas goes through to become the lich king is more important and more uh more interactive i guess because you 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 see these other characters but you don't really know their names you just kind of see it it's oh it's beard guy you know it's it's white beard guy who is uh you know the father figure of this guy and they expand upon it a lot in the novels but that's an entirely different story that's a different story it's an it's the novel story it's not what the game does or what the cinematics do um but warcraft's warcraft story i have opinions on what it is now but uh, it, it used to be incredible like all the way through wrath of lich king uh it was it was perfect uh, in my opinion and uh the cutscenes got better in quality but the story just kind of got very convoluted and and wordy and verbose and there was too much going on you couldn't follow plot points it was like okay well this is a quest hub but it has a whole cutscene now and it i have a lot of opinions about warcraft but (laughs) (laughs) well I th- I think I think we hit the nail on the head of how we I think how we feel about about story. So yeah. uh, wrap, wrapping things up, is there anything you want to plug? Anything coming up that you can talk about? Oh shit, there's tons coming up, but like that you it's can talk be about in two months, but I can't talk about a whole lot of it. Um, 
Watch Beastars on Netflix. Uh, I, I voice Legoshi and Beastars. Um, I got some games coming up that are going to be here in October, November that I can talk about. Cool. Uh, several games, as a matter of fact. Um, but just keep an eye out. Follow me on Twitter at I'm Mr. Transistor. You'll get all the updates there if I once I can talk about it. And then and then you have you have a weekly Twitch schedule. Did you plug that? Oh too? yeah, I do. I stream on Twitch, right? Yeah, I stream on Twitch at Jonah Scoot. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Jonah Scoot. Um, I play all kinds of video games. I'm actually probably going to go live here in like 45 minutes. Um, we're going to play some Bulletstorm. I stream almost every day, except when I don't want to. <laughs> you've uh, you've you've gotten a nice little community going there. I've been been watching. So they are fantastic. They, everybody in the community is so nice and welcoming, and and the Discord is just as just as kind and welcoming. And uh, we have a lot of fun. Um, our community has extended into other voice actor Twitch stream communities. We we hang out with Phil Reich and Kyle Abear, Alejandro Saab. All kinds of other voice actors that are on on Twitch right now, and uh, yeah, come by and see us sometime. I'll, uh, if you let me know you're new, I'll be sure to make fun of you and point you out. <laughs> well, that's gonna do it for this episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. See you guys. Yay, we did it. Good shit, Wesley. That was fun. This has been Lost in the Story with your host Wesley Marshall. Music composed by Chase Pathia, who you can follow on Twitter and TikTok at Chase Pathia and on Instagram at GamerComposer. His website is chasepathia.com. Cover art for this podcast provided by Marcy Edwards, who you can follow on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Mary Hellscream. Thank you for listening. See you next time.